When comparing South Carolina's offense from last football season to their offense heading into this football season, there's no doubt that the offense is going to improve. But the question is, by how much? I'll discuss that today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Line, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. All right, so for today's show, I'm going to talk about the offensive side of the ball for South Carolina. I'm not going to talk about anything pertaining to fall camp, and I'm not going to spend the entire episode talking about the issues the offense had from last year, but I am going to talk about the main issues that they had in short order, discussing kind of what went wrong, why the Gamecocks statistically performed as badly as they did this past year, and then I'll talk about why they're going to obviously improve this season based on the personnel additions that have been made to this offense, how the added experience is going to help them out, and also what the Gamecocks are going to be facing defensively this season and how that could play a part in them doing statistically better as well. I'll be covering all of this on today's show, so let's go ahead and get on right into it. So what made me want to talk about this subject? Well, I was planning on talking about the South Carolina offense heading into 2022 at some point before the season started, but I decided to talk about it on today's show because two days ago, I was listening to 107.5 The Game with Patrick Perrette and Jen Jensen, and they were talking with Phil Steele, who is a college football pundit, obviously does a preseason magazine every single season, and he discussed on the show a variety of different topics, like the evolution of his magazine, how he gathers his information, and of course, at one point, did give his thoughts on South Carolina's team and what they look like heading into this coming season. And there was a certain statistic that he threw out there that really caught my attention, or maybe not statistic, but his particular statement. And that was Phil Steele saying that his computer models, which apparently are pretty accurate, at least based on his words, they predict the team's offensive and defensive stats for the upcoming season every single year in his magazine. And for South Carolina, Phil Steele's computer models projects that South Carolina will be averaging 30.7 points per game on offense in 2022. The last time South Carolina's offense averaged anywhere near that amount was back in 2018 when former offensive coordinator Brian McClendon was here in the Will Muschamp tenure. And, of course, the Gamecocks have really not seen a whole lot of great offenses since, of course, the great Steve Spurrier retired in the middle of the season back in 2015. So, so to sum up just how bad the offense was statistically this past season, I'll give some quick statistics to really uh, paint the picture for y'all. So, for points per game, South Carolina averaged 22.6 points per game. That was the second worst mark in the SEC. When it came to total offense, the Gamecocks averaged 338.2 yards per game, which was also the second worst mark in the SEC. And then for first downs per game, the Gamecocks averaged 17.8, which 
you may have guessed it, was second worst in the SEC. In simple terms, the Gamecocks had a lot of trouble scoring points, gaining yards, and also moving the chains on offense in 2021. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know, in football terms, the offense in 2021 just flat out was not good enough. So Shane Beamer, of course, recognized this. And this past offseason, he worked to upgrade the roster on the offensive side of the ball. He brought in highly talented high school recruits like quarterbacks Tanner Bailey and Braden Davis, along with wide receiver Landon Sampson and offensive lineman Ryan Brubaker. He also brought in a big transfer class, mainly on the offensive side of the ball, bringing in guys like quarterback Spencer Rattler, running backs Christian Bill Smith, Love C.A. Carroll, and Dante Miller wide receivers Antoine Wells Jr. and Corey Rucker, and tight ends Austin Steiger and Nate Atkins. Now, the question with the offense in 2022, like I mentioned in my cold open, is this. We know that the offense is going to produce more on the field. There's just, there's no denying that with how much the Gamecocks have added. But the question is going to be, how much more production can we see out of this offense? So to try to answer this question the best I can, I'm going to do three separate things mainly on today's show. I'm going to summarize the issues with the offense in 2021, talk about, again, why things went bad. I'll talk about how the roster additions will make them better. And, of course, I'll talk about the potential drop-off many Gamecock opponents might see in 2022 on defense, which, again, would subsequently help the Gamecocks on the offensive side. So let's start off with some of the biggest issues the offense had in 2021. The first issue by far that this team dealt with that really hurt the offense was quarterback instability and inconsistent play. The Gamecocks, of course, had a literal carousel of quarterbacks at that spot last season, starting three different quarterbacks for four games each in the regular season, all of which dealt with different issues during the season. And I'll start off with Luke Doty, who was the projected starter for the Gamecocks heading into fall camp back in 2021. But after a freak accident in a fall camp practice where he broke a bone in the middle of his right foot, Luke Doty was never 100% after that. And it's pretty clear if you watched him play this past year. I know Luke Doty has gotten a bad rap from some people outside of South Carolina's sort of little media bubble and fan base. But the bottom line is Gamecock fans know well and good Doty's injury really impacted his ability to play at a high level a lot. He wasn't able to go through his drop back and progression up in the pocket probably as smoothly as he would have liked to, dealing with all that pain in his foot. Doty obviously was not able to run as quickly as he normally could, and every Gamecock fan could see that. And it just hurt Doty's game in a lot of different ways. And of course, the other issues on the offense last year all worked to compound that. Zeb Nolan ended up being the guy who started the season. He went from being a graduate assistant halfway through fall camp to all of a sudden being thrust onto the active roster in the middle of fall camp. The first issue that the Gamecocks obviously dealt with was, you know, not saying Zeb Nolan was just completely out of shape, but obviously the guy had been participating in a college strength conditioning program for months and months since he last had played with North Dakota State in the springtime of 2021. That was the last time Zeb Nolan had played college ball. And so, of course, he hadn't been probably putting himself through the same kind of workout regimen. So when he joined the active roster, he wasn't exactly maybe in the best shape he would have liked to have been. And Zeb Nolan, look, he did so much for this team last year in terms of trying to keep the ship guided in the right direction. And we cannot forget that. 
But Zeb Nolan, the bottom line with his quarterback play was this. He had high IQ, especially because of the fact that he had played so many years in college football. But he played very risk as well. I mean, in the East Carolina game especially, Zeb Nolan too many times would throw the ball up in traffic and would give defenders a chance to make a play on the ball. And quite frankly, besides being really a bona fide game manager, Zeb Nolan just didn't really add a whole lot of pop to the passing game. And then Jason Brown, of course, who was the guy that finished off the regular season for South Carolina in the last four games. Now, I mentioned this before, Jason obviously showed that he could really throw the football. He has a lot of arm talent. And for a guy that was playing Division Three football the previous season at St. Francis in Pennsylvania, he did really well considering the circumstances. But the problem with him, to put it bluntly, old habits die hard. Jason Brown had a lot of bad traits that he showcased in a couple of these games, like Missouri and Clemson especially, where he kind of basically played like it was backyard football, like you were literally drawing up plays in the dirt and would just try to go make plays happen, something out of nothing. And in the Florida game, he made that work. And even in the Auburn game, he made it work to a certain extent, which probably gave him a little bit of a sense of false confidence that he could do that against every opponent. But when it came to Missouri and Clemson, two teams who game plan very well for Jason Brown's sort of bad traits that he does have playing quarterback, it ended up really biting him in the rear at the end of the day. And so because of that, it also ended up subsequently hurting the offense as well. Now, that was the first main issue in 2021. In just a few moments, I'll discuss the other two main issues that the offense dealt with in 2021. But before I do, I do need to talk to y'all real quick about BetOnline. BetOnline.net, of course, is the fastest and easiest way to check out all your betting needs. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, the NHL, combat sports, esports, and yes, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online source for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered in all facets. So be sure to head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn the latest about the trends and action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Before I continue with segment two of today's show, I once again just want to thank you all for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover Gamecock sports, your first listen every single day. So let's get back to the main issues that the offense dealt with in 2021. Issue number two, in my opinion, was a moderate lack of personnel at wide receiver, along with the misutilization of certain wide receivers. Now, to start with the lack of personnel, South Carolina coming into last season had no real proven wide receivers on the depth chart when it came to SEC play. Of course, EJ Jenkins was a proven wide receiver at the collegiate game, but at the Division III level at St. Francis. Amorian Brown, who had proven himself some at Georgia Tech, had not done so yet at the SEC level. So that's what I mean by that. Now, Josh Van, of course, did finally break out and show wide receiver one ability for the Gamecocks. But outside of him, no other wide receiver had more than 220 receiving yards, except for to carry on Joyner. And just two seasons prior last year, he was a full-time quarterback on the roster. And with the receivers on this team last year, there were too many guys in the room that didn't make much of an impact for this offense. Three of South Carolina's top five wide receivers from last year 
were either tight ends or a running back. Those guys being, of course, Jaheim Bell, Nick Muse, and Saquandre White out of the running back room. There are four scholarship players from last year's roster who are no longer on the team. Only one played in more than two games last season. Those four wideouts that I'm talking about are Ortre Smith, Rico Powers, Trey Atkins, and EJ Jenkins. All gone. Now, in fairness, however, to some of these wideouts from last year's team, there were certain guys that were either misutilized completely, like EJ Jenkins, or dealing with the learning curve of a new pro-style offense in Amarian Brown. With EJ Jenkins... Simply put, the coaching staff couldn't really figure out if E.J. Jenkins should either be a tight end or a wide receiver. And in my opinion, they spent a little bit too much time last season trying to figure that out in some of these games. And Jenkins, in my opinion, was never really used to his full potential. I mean, 6'6", for a guy that can move like him, I thought for certain he was going to be a red zone threat in every single game against South Carolina's opponents. And I think South Carolina only threw it to him on fade routes like one or two times when we were in the red zone. Which, again, in my opinion, shows that they just didn't know what to do with him. And then Amarian Brown, you got to think about this. He came from Georgia Tech. His freshman year, they were running the triple option out of the flex bone. And then years two and three for him, he ends up being a part of a full-blown spread offense with three, four wide receivers on the outside boundaries. And then coming to South Carolina, he's going through a whole new offensive scheme in a pro-style offense. Along with the fact that Amorian Brown is a little bit on the smaller side, he just never really seemed to find his footing this past year. So those are two prime examples right there of why maybe not all of the issues were completely due to the wide receivers themselves. And the final issue that this offense had in 2021 was The offensive system was one where you quite frankly can't have any of the kind of issues that I just mentioned. A pro-style offense requires a lot, of course, of its players. But in my opinion, you can narrow it down to four main things. One, you need a lot of diagnosticating from the quarterback. The quarterback has got to be able to see the entire field, has to be able to communicate well with his offensive line, with his halfbacks, and with the wide receivers. Communication and recognition is key for the quarterback, which was why, of course, last season, Zevin Nolan was kind of the first guy that got thrown out there by the coaching staff. Another thing the pro-style offense requires, wide receivers who can consistently win on multiple route concepts. It does not matter if you are the best player when it comes to running a slant route. If you cannot run a dig route or an out route or a post route or run a double move routes on the outside, you are not going to be successful in a pro-style type offense. So you got to have... To put it bluntly, you need play-making wideouts. You also need an offensive line that can protect the quarterback for more than a second or two in pass protection. Because a pro-style offense sees a lot of plays that start from under the center. A lot of plays where you have play action, which involves drawn-out progression, seven-step, five-step dropbacks. The offensive line has got to be able to give the quarterback some time. The quarterback cannot go through that drop back and then just take half a second to get rid of the ball. That's just not really feasible. So you need offensive line protection. Obviously, the Gamecocks didn't have that last year. And then the final thing, in my opinion, a pro-style offense needs to have is the ability to use the run in order to set up the pass 
or vice versa. These days with the way offenses work, it doesn't really matter which one sets up which. What matters is that you are proficient in either your running game or your passing game, which opens the door for you to then be able to call more plays for the other side of the offensive coin, per se. But with all these issues that this offense had last season, the moves this past offseason will absolutely rectify most of these issues immediately. Spencer Rattler, of course, has a lot more arm talent than all the quarterbacks that played for South Carolina this past year, as he can sling it in the pocket. He has a quick release, and he can also basically be a magician outside of the pocket, moving or being on the run, which fits play-action, roll-out, bootleg-type plays in an offense quite well, as that requires a quarterback who can maneuver outside the pocket, be able to see the field clearly, and also be able to make really tough throws off-platform at times. You've also got all the additions at wide receiver, running back, and tight end, which will give the offense much more options in terms of guys who can make plays, and the quarterback can comfortably deliver the ball to. The quarterback will have confidence with those guys. Antoine Wells Jr. is going to bring a solid all-around skill set at receiver. Corey Rucker brings speed and quickness to the wide receiver room. Christian Beal Smith gives the offense a bell cow potential type of bat, while Love C.A. Carroll and Dante Miller, on the other hand, bring pass-catching ability and game-breaking speed at the same time. Austin Stoggers a bigger version of Nick Muse, who can be a really big help in the receiving game, but also help with in-line blocking with the offensive line, while Nate Atkins is someone who mainly specializes in blocking and can be paired alongside Travion Keenan in two tight end sets when the Gamecocks are going to call him in particular run plays. So needless to say, this offense is going to be much deeper at the skill positions. It is going to be much more versatile in terms of allowing Marcus Satterfield to be able to open up the playbook even more this season. And all the returning players for South Carolina have another year in the same system. So we're bringing a ton of experience back along with the guys that the Gamecocks added this past offseason. Once again, I want to thank all of y'all who are still listening to the show at this point. Thank you for listening to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day. All right, for the final segment of today's show, to end this discussion on South Carolina's offensive potential for 2022, I want to compare what the Gamecocks return from a production standpoint on offense versus what their opponents are bringing back on defense in 2022. So, Y'all have heard me mention ESPN staff writer Bill Connolly multiple times, and I normally bring him up when it comes to returning production percentages because he does all of this every single year around mid to late February. He incorporates transfer additions into his formula, and he does a lot of homework on all of this stuff, and he cranks out a number for pretty much every single team in the FBS. So I'm using his numbers again for this segment in today's show. Now, according to ESPN's Bill Connolly, including transfers, the Gamecocks returned 82% of their production from 2021 on the offensive side of the ball alone. Now, when comparing that percentage to what the Gamecocks' opponents return on the defensive side of the ball, here's how the numbers work out for some of these opponents. Georgia only returns 44% of their production from last year on defense. That's the worst mark in the SEC. Florida returns 58% of their production from last season, the second worst mark in the SEC. Arkansas and Texas A&M returned 60% of their production on defense from last year. 
tied for the third worst mark in the SEC. Vanderbilt, 67% return production on defense from last year, eighth in the SEC. And I won't name off the rest of South Carolina's opponents, but out of the rest of their SEC opponents in particular, only one team returns 73% or more of their defensive production from the 2021 season, and that is Missouri, who logs in at 78% for this category. Now, this, of course, doesn't mean that the Gamecocks are guaranteed to beat all of these teams they play this next season when looking at strictly their offense versus their opponent's defense. Obviously, Georgia, you know, look, just because Georgia returns the least amount of production, that does not mean that their defense is all of a sudden going to just fall off a cliff. They're going to be like ranked 110th in total defense. They're going to be the worst defense in the SEC. That doesn't automatically mean that because obviously, if you're just looking at it from that vantage point, then you're discounting all the talent that Georgia has. Same deal with Texas A&M. They're only returning, I think, five stars from their defense in 2021. And again, they're tied for the third worst mark in the SEC in terms of return production on defense. But that's a defense that has recruited some really solid blue chip prospects over many years now. So, of course, that doesn't mean that South Carolina's just going to beat the brakes off of both of these teams. But... I do want y'all to think back to Arkansas and Ole Miss from the 2021 season. Both of these teams were coming off subpar 2020 showings. Now, obviously, that was the COVID season, so some people would say, yeah, they would just completely forget about that season because of that. But the point is, Ole Miss and Arkansas returned a lot of players, and they had enough talent at the top end of their off. And they both had enough talent at the top end of their roster to where they went from, you know, in Arkansas's case, being 3-7 and seven in 2020 to 9-4 in 2021. Ole Miss, I believe, went 4-5 and five in 2020 and ended up going 10-3 with a Sugar Bowl appearance in 2021. So my point is, with bringing up that example, talent is a huge part of being able to be a contender in conference championship games, trying to make it to New Year's Six Bowls, make it to the college football playoff, you name it. But experience in the last couple years has shown that it can profoundly offset a perceived talent gap that a football team has compared to the top teams in their conference. So now that I've talked about the issues that the Gamecocks had back in 2021 on offense and what they return experience and add in talent for 2022 how much could they improve offensively? Well, I'll just talk about scoring offense to keep this simple. In my personal opinion, I think with all the additions the Gamecocks have made for 2022, amongst everything else that I've mentioned, I think the offense can average anywhere from 29.6 to 32.6 points per game. And basically, if that ended up happening, that would mean that the Gamecocks are adding at least another touchdown to their scoring mark on average per game from last year. And I think that's very possible because you have Spencer Rattler, of course, at quarterback. You have a much deeper wide receiver room. You have a deeper running back room, a deeper tight end room. You have an offensive line that returns all five of their starters from last year. And yes, it wasn't good last year, but it's also one of the most experienced in the country. And they were missing their offensive line coach for a decent portion of last year's season. So with all of that being taken into account, there's no question, in my opinion, this offense ought to be able to average at least another touchdown to top the mark from 2021. If that ended up not happening and say it ends up only being like a field goal or five points, in my opinion, offensively, that would be a very 
disappointing season for them, especially with all the talent that they have on that side of the ball. So overall, I think South Carolina's offense is going to improve greatly in 2022. Whenever you have a touchdown jump or more from one season to the next, that is a remarkable amount of improvement cannot be discounted and no it's not gonna be like LSU's offense from 2019 or Alabama's offense from 2020 where they scored like 40 plus points per game on average but this offense combined with what the defense is returning this season in my opinion will end up being a big reason why the Gamecocks will improve in the win-loss columns this coming season now one quick reminder before I head on for the day the first episode of the miniseries, Welcome Home South Carolina Football, is airing tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on ESPNU. So be sure to set your DVRs for that show to record. Be sure to tune in. Going to be a lot of exciting stuff, I think, with the Gamecocks. A lot of behind-the-scenes looks that you know maybe even Justin King and his team don't always get. So I think that this is going to be a really awesome opportunity for the Gamecocks to really build their brand, showcase the program to the rest of the country, and to recruit what Shane Beamer is building here at South Carolina. So again, 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time tonight on ESPNU. Be sure to tune into that. But with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show, the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. As always, I want to hear your thoughts on the offense. How much better do you think they could get this upcoming year? Are you going to put a number on how many more points you think they can score on average per game? And besides Spencer Rattler, because he would be a very easy answer to this question, is there any particular reason why you think this offense is going to improve this next season? I want to hear your thoughts down below in the comments section, as always, if you're watching this on YouTube. But if you're listening to this on an audio podcast app, Wherever you get your podcast daily, you can also feel free to shoot me a message at a lion underscore SC, and I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly as I see them. And as always, if you've enjoyed the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast and you want to get more news on the entire SEC conference, then make Lockdown SEC your second listen every day, where host Chris Cordy and the local experts of Lockdown take you across the entire SEC in just 30 minutes. Again, make Lockdown SEC your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that's going to do it for me on today's show. I hope y'all have a great rest of your Wednesday. I'll catch you on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.